Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. We are now recording. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, This week's episode, we figured we'd do something light and talk about what it was like growing up as children of immigrants. And uh, I've got some stories. David's got some. Um, He's in a little bit of a laughing, kind of joking mood since he's been doing dad jokes this morning with the boys. (laughs) I stumbled onto this uh, Facebook page and uh, they're hilarious. (laughs) I think only dads can appreciate them, though. Probably. Since the boys were kind of like rolling their eyes. Yeah. Maybe not rolling their you eyes. Were but they didn't get, you gave I did. me some sympathy laughs. So. No, no, there was one that was funny. <laughs> that was good. Um, right. Well, I, I'm fortunate enough, if we're talking about being children of immigrants, I think I'm, uh, I'm halfway there because uh, my, my father was, a, was an immigrant, but my mother, she actually, her ancestry goes all the way back to the Mayflower. Uh, so, so on my mom's side, I mean, uh, they, they were a part of World War II and World War One and the Spanish flu and civil war. So it goes way, 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 way back. But on my dad's side, yeah, he uh, he was a Filipino American, um, but he was also of Chinese and Spanish descent. I think that solves the mystery of what I am. I know a lot <laughs> of people look at me and just wonder what nationalities, what ethnicities are you? Are I hear all sorts Check of, all of them off. Yeah, I hear all sorts of guesses. You know, people think I'm Lebanese or Iranian, Maoris. I had to look up what a Maori is, but that's the Native American or the natives, the indigenous people of, uh, I think of uh, like uh, um, New Zealand mm-hmm. and uh, some of the uh, Oceania areas. But yeah. um, but anyways, yeah, my, my dad was Filipino. And um, um, I joke around that you, that there were Dela Cruz's on the Mayflower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were not. No, I think it was Stephen Hopkins, who was actually a, um, he was an assistant to a minister, and he was also a uh, an assistant to the uh, governor of the uh, the colonies. I thought here, it was so. Governor Bradford, so it's Hopkins. Stephen Hopkins was the assistant. Mm-hmm. He's the one I was related to. Okay, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it's something like 20, 20 or 10% of all Americans can trace their ancestry back to the... Uh, to the Mayflower, so it's cool, but uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty cool. Come on yeah. now, Mayflower. Well, that's if my my grandmother's telling of our family history is accurate. Yeah, because... but didn't you guys do like a DNA test too? We did, but that doesn't tell us whether or not we came from the Mayflower. That tells that actually but revealed you... some things. Like we didn't know that we were also Greek and Italian. Yeah, I, I have a long list. If you don't know of of where my family comes from, it's it's truly like a a mix of the uh, the American experience. Yeah. You know, the, the Irish came over in the 1800s because of the potato famine. And there's that's when I've got some Irish in me. Mm-hmm. Um, the Italian and Greek thing, too. I mean, it's just... It's, so holidays at our house are crazy because we celebrate all of them. Everything. Yeah. Valentine's <laughs> Day, St. Patrick's Day. Yes. <laughs> all right. So you were saying um, your dad. Yeah. Uh, so he, um, you know, he, he was... Uh, Filipino American came over in the 1960s, and um, I didn't really think of myself as a child of immigrants because I don't know if I had the same experience as you and many other immigrants, where they uh, or children of immigrants, where they're learning the language and they're steeped in the culture and the history of that 
you know, the native country. Uh, my father, when he came here, he just, he embraced America. He, he um, loved it here and didn't really want us to, um, uh, he didn't really want us to, to think of ourselves as Filipino or, or um, he didn't teach us the language, for example. I mean, Filipino, like, like none of that stuff was really yeah, present in our home. Yeah, didn't learn Spanish or anything like that. No, no. I mean, your dad spoke a couple, a few languages. He, he right? did, yeah. yeah. He spoke a little bit of Chinese and, uh, of course, Spanish, Filipino. Those are dominant languages out there. But I don't I think I had have the same experience that a lot of other immigrants have, um, where you know they have the the flag of their their native country and they're celebrating some of the feasts and festivals and national holidays. None of that really happened in my home. My dad was just so grateful to be in America after leaving the Philippines mm. that uh, he loved this country. And I remember him saying, no, you're, you're an American now. Cause I asked him like, why, why didn't you teach us Filipino? I feel like a second language is like a superpower <laughs> and it's something you you're able to do like fluently, but I don't have that. I'd have to really, you know, work at it. Yeah. But with my dad, no, he, he just, he loved this country and wanted us to fully embrace the American culture, the American system. And it was kind of like, he, he wasn't really going back mm -hmm. to, uh, to the Philippines. What, what was your experience like? Well, I didn't really know, you know, like you say that your, your family fully embraced the American culture, but, um, I'd say I wasn't really aware that we were really kind of, um, I guess fully seeped in Portuguese culture, but it was very important for my dad that we maintain uh, some semblance of, you know, Portuguese culture at home and, you know, whatever it was. If we were like, we never ate American food. The first time that I had um, like even Chinese food was with you and your brother. I remember that. I was right? like, oh, we're going to go to, to uh, it, it was uh, our favorite Chinese restaurant in East Providence called the Rickshaw. It's changed its name now, but we uh, would go there every single like, Sunday. It was just yeah. a family tradition. And uh, I remember inviting you and you were like, yeah, I've never had Chinese food. And I just looked at you. I was like, a teenager. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. How in the world have you missed this amazing, you know, international delicacy? Of course, Chinese food is more American. American food. That's why I call it American Chinese. food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was really important for them to my parents that I uh, know the language because I still have family in Portugal. And, uh, you know, when we visit, it's good that I can speak the language and get around and mm -hmm. talk to family. Um, so I didn't even learn English until I started kindergarten. And so my mom would tell me that I was allowed to watch Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. That was the extent of my television watching. And um, so I was actually held back at mm -hmm. one point because I didn't have strong command of the English language which is probably the best thing because, right. you know, I even asked you today, I was like, do you think I have an accent? Can you tell that English is my second language? Nobody like, would. No, no. Nobody would. Nope. So a uh, testament to the great public education mm -hmm. in East Providence when I was a kid. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's important that kids, if, I, I can see where those families are coming from, like the Spanish families or yeah. whatever country you come from maintaining that language. But, uh, and I don't think it's un-American to learn a second language. No, no, of course not. You know what not. I mean? Because some people say, oh, you come to the, you have to learn the language. Of course right. you have to learn the language, yeah. obviously. Yeah. That's a given. But it's also really important to, if you want to, to teach your kids. Yeah. I mean, like in our home with my father, he would have, he would speak Filipino around other Filipinos, but it wasn't around, it wasn't with me. Yeah. He didn't teach it to me as a child, but he would still have Filipinos over and 
He would love to host people. He'd love parties. So whenever we would have people over, that was probably when I would see some of these, you know, Filipino traditions and cultures and, you know, practices and the food. I would say, even though the language wasn't a big part of it, of course, food is a big part of culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every meal that my dad would eat, there was the the um, rice, of course, would be a staple and soy sauce and stuff. But in our home, it was also lasagna and, you know, shepherd's pie and um, spaghetti and meatballs and all the other stuff that's uh, cheap and easy to feed to, you know, a family of six. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we, we didn't teach our kids another language. I wish I had. I mean, I guess there's still time, but they, uh, they're just English speakers. So. Yeah. It was cool when we went to Portugal to see how you were just able to to talk to everybody and, and, um, maneuver through the culture and, and the museums and everything. And, and it was, as I was spending more and more time there, I think we were there for two weeks at mm -hmm. one point. That's when I started to pick up more and more of the You language. were picking up, you were getting our conversations. Yes. Yeah. I was like, Hey, I'm not fat in this. Why are you calling me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but we would go out to eat and be able to, be able to order and stuff like that. So it yeah. was cool. Yeah. Did you have any uh, negative experiences as a, as an immigrant or as a, a daughter Child, of immigrants? Well, so I'm yeah, daughter of immigrants because mm -hmm. I was born here. But you know, there there was some negative. If I'm going to be honest, I'm going to say that there was. You know, um, being in high school and middle school, it's a it's a tough experience for every any kid, right? Mm -hmm. And there were some instances where, uh, even though being in East Providence. Mm -hmm. which has one of the highest percentages of Portuguese immigrants per oh, capita yeah. in the it's country. Like Portugal. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, it didn't shield me from uh, the occasional racial, uh, racial slurs or discrimination. But, you know, here's the thing. I hate mentioning that because a lot of people use that sometimes as some sort of crutch. Mm. I hate to say it, but it's like, woe is me. And the truth is everyone at some point in their life is going to experience some form of discrimination right could be because you're a woman could be because you're a guy could be because you're i don't know ethnicity sure, sure. yeah your weight i don't know right you know there's always going to be um there's always going to be and it doesn't excuse it it's of it's course still not bad and yeah it's still a wrong it's and an we injustice. should call it out when mm -hmm. when people do that of course um but this country you know my parents they would tell me mostly my mom would tell me stories, but both of them were very appreciative to be able to become Americans. Mm -hmm. um, when I was growing up, they weren't yet um, American citizens. But, you know, I remember my mom, sometimes she would talk about how oppressive it was growing up in a socialist country. Um, and she was only a toddler at the time, but she would talk of her family's experience under Salazar and how um, her uncle would be taken away in the middle of the night tortured and then released at some point back to his home where his family would care for him. So, um, you know, anyways, going back to the adversity thing. Can I say something? Yeah, People please. talk about fascism a lot and mm -hmm. being anti-fascist. Mm -hmm. Salazar was a true fascist. Yeah. Like when people throw that term around, they dilute it mm -hmm. when it's, when it's being misapplied to people, to, you know, so good, Americans yeah. or politicians who, who, um, who, you know, may be very pro-American or very vocal and, and they love the country or they, they may even believe in a strong executive or a strong government. That doesn't necessarily mean fascism. And maybe it's because we're not taught these terms in, 
really taught what they mean. Yeah, that's a good point. It's just easy to hijack a term that's kind of out there and people mm -hmm. are familiar with. But Salazar was a true fascist, like some of these other, uh, some of these other uh, European countries from that that time. That's a good point. I think uh, schools should probably teach the difference between fascism, communism, and socialism. But um, yeah, back to the the to the first point, which was you know, um, we're all going to face some sort of adversity in life, depending on mm -hmm. what it is, but, um, we can't let that become, can't let it handicap us. Right. You know, we need to push past it mm -hmm. and uh, realize that everybody in some, some way or form has adversities to overcome. Yeah. I, I don't think we should just, you know, uh, put on this oppression narrative or that we're being oppressed and then just, you know, take that on as our identity. I think you, you have to push past that. Well, my dad, there's no doubt in my mind that as a short Asian man with a, an Asian accent and, um, uh, and, and, and being still very successful as a, as a doctor, there's no doubt in my mind that he faced um, discrimination mm -hmm. or hatred. And, but I never remember him complaining about it. I never remember, remember him uh, bringing it up. But instead, he just he loved this country and he he saw the great opportunities that were ahead of him. So he I don't know if it was just he was uh, the eternal optimist and didn't focus on some of the pessimism uh, that, uh, that that he could have given himself over to. But I think he also had a unique perspective or maybe not unique, but it's a perspective that I think a lot of immigrants do have when they're coming from some of these countries. You mentioned Portugal ravaged by fascism. Uh, and totalitarianism. My my father came from the Philippines, which was deep um, uh, deep in poverty. But it also, I do remember him mentioning he remembered um, World War II. He was just a boy, but he does remember the the Japanese occupation, and he just remembered how mean the Japanese were, and, wow. and they were truly, you know, oppressive. And again, another example of true fascism or, you know, ultra nationalism, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. certainly a military state. But he um, he had that kind of perspective. So when he was in America, sure, you're, you're not everyone's going to like you, but you just you you push past it. So one thing that I feel that a lot of the uh, the immigrants do have in common is they have this perspective and they also have an amazing amount of resilience where they just push past things. Maybe it's unique to my father and his experience, but he did not seem to be bothered by what other people thought. He just, you know, he, for example, as a, uh, if we were driving in the car, he was the slowest driver you've ever <laughs> been with. I remember ever, you telling me that. Yeah. Ever. I mean, Drive you crazy. my siblings would know this. My mother knows this, the slowest driver in the world. <laughs> Uh, if the speed limit is 25, he's going 15 or 20. <laughs> if you're on the highway, you, you ever see those highways where it says speed limit 65, yeah. minimum 45? Yeah. Those signs were, were made because <laughs> of my dad. Because he would go on the highway and drive 25 or 30 miles oh, an that's hour. that's so dangerous, dude. Yeah. And I would be like, Dad, what are you doing? I would turn around in the car and see a, a line of like 15, 25 cars. Like people thought we were leading a funeral entourage. <laughs> and I would be like, Dad, speed things up. What are you doing? Like people are beeping their horns and they're, they're making gestures. Well, they were gestures. racist, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they did not like a, a slow driver. And it honestly, it never bothered him. 
he had the thickest skin. I was just like, dad, like you could help these people out. You don't know, maybe they've got to get to work or something. He's like, no, uh, I've seen too many car accidents, so mm. I'm not going to be speeding just because someone else, you know, wants to pressure me to. Yeah. And um, I, it bothered me as a young man, but it, it does show me, uh, it, it, again, maybe it's just unique to him and his personality, but he was very resilient, didn't care what other people thought. And he just saw this amazing land of opportunity. When I speak to some of my um, Filipino family members, they literally grew up as children thinking about America as this land where gold is like everywhere. And that as long as you come here and you're willing to work hard and be an honest person and be a, a valuable member of society, you'll make it. Yeah. And that kind of uh, attitude, you know, when I, when I look at my, um, my family, especially those that did come over from the Philippines, it's remarkable. Like they... They they don't take anything for granted, but they they work hard. Oh, they're good they're family, hard people. workers. Yeah, they're really amazing. Family people, amazing people. I love them dearly. They yeah. are they are really amazing people. They, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm I have to say the same thing with uh, my family, even my extended family here in the United States. I never ever heard them complain once about this country or mm -hmm. any any of their adversities. They were about making sure that they were hard workers, that they provided for their families yeah. and, um, you know, and also giving back to the community that mm -hmm. you're, uh, that you're in. So, um, I, I think that, uh, and I talked to other immigrants as well and they love this country because of the opportunity that, um, that they weren't afforded in their native country. Yeah, you know, another thing that uh, that I appreciate about my father, and I've seen this with both your mom and your dad too, is just how hardworking they are. Of course, my mother is too. So oh, yeah. it's, you know, mm -hmm. in all of our parents, I think they, um, there are so many family members that have that, that roll up your sleeves and just do the hard work. I, it's, this is what I say, it's, it's the American spirit. You yeah. know, they come here because they're entrepreneurial, they're risk takers, they're willing to start over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're doing that, you know that it's a risk and you're going to have to work really hard at it. Right. And, uh, and you I, may fail many times. Yeah, but you, know, you keep was, trying. My, there was a time my dad was, uh, of course, he was a doctor, but there was a time he wasn't working as a doctor and he was working at McDonald's. Mm. I remember he would come home and bring home fish fillet sandwiches for me and my and brother. That's why you love fish fillet sandwiches. And I love those <laughs> every time I eat one I think of my dad. Don't judge me if you're listening to this podcast. But but um uh again just he wasn't going to let the fact that he couldn't find work as a doctor stop him. Uh mm. whatever he had to do, he was going to care for his family. Yeah. So if he had to work daytimes at uh, at McDonald's and then work third shift at a dairy mart or a convenience store, which he did, he was going to do it. And uh, those are the kind of things that I really, really appreciate about my dad. And it's not to say that, that, um, you know, our homegrown Americans aren't willing to do the same thing. But when I think of my dad and his experience, these are some of the things that, that I appreciate. And oh, I think he's, he shared that with his kids. And I look at all of my siblings, they're, uh, they're all incredibly hardworking people, very successful at what they do. Yeah. Yeah, I I think you're right. It's not to say that Americans aren't the same way, but we're just talking about our experiences, children of immigrants, mm -hmm. which, uh, um, you know, I, I'm I'm grateful to see both sides and uh, of what it's like to grow up in a country that's uh, oppressive and socialist and here in a free state. Mm -hmm. um, I 
just want to make sure that we pass that down to our children to be so appreciative to grow up in such a great country. It's true. God bless America. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening, guys. Today's closing quote comes from George Washington. The bosom of America is open to receive not only the opulent and respectable stranger, but the oppressed and persecuted of all nations and religions, whom we shall welcome to a participation of all our rights and privileges, if by decency and propriety of conduct they appear to merit the enjoyment. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 